You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome down to Aptor's Alley. You are at the Aptor Chat right here on the pod waves of pro wrestling. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just keep calling it the pod waves. I just kind of like it. it it's kind of classic, like the old radio waves. When I did my old radio show back in New York on... Uh, uh, WHBI 105.9 FM. That was a long time ago, but it seems like yesterday, and I, I love doing this. You know, everybody knows that uh, my, uh, when you talk about me, about Bill Apter, you think right away, the Apter mags, you know, that uh, the photography and the columns and everything that I did for the magazines, but my, my true first goal was always to become a wrestling broadcaster, uh, kind of like the uh, uh Gene Okerlund role, the backstage interviewer. Um, always wanted to do that, and I got to do a lot of that during my career. But being back here on the pod waves is just fabulous. I really, really enjoy it. And as you know, I now have a bi-weekly show on Roku. So if you have a Roku device, go to Roku and do a search on Jarrett Parsons Wrestling Network. Jarrett, as in uh, Jeff Jarrett, his dad. Jerry Jarrett and a great uh, um, man with him, his partner uh, Dave the Rock. Not that Rock. If not that bad of an imitation, right? Um, but Dave Rock Parsons uh, came up with this deal with Roku, and I'm on there uh, every two weeks. And the shows are archived right now. There is uh, there are two shows up there, and neither of them are any longer than forty minutes. I believe. I'm not one of these guys that will come on a podcast and talk for two or three hours. I just, I, I just don't do that. And the same thing with uh, when I watch TV. I like 30 minutes to one hour uh, at the most. But the Roku show contains lots of uh, interviews from the past and current interviews. Uh, all video, of course. Uh, great on-the-road segment with uh, my friend Mac Davis, who will be here a little bit later to talk about that. And what I'm really excited about on this show are uh, two of the interviews. One of them, I have unearthed a classic interview from 1981 with the, I, well, it's a cliche, but with the late, great Dean of Wrestling Broadcasters, uh, the legendary Gordon Soley, indeed, uh, Bill Apter, thank you so much. That's the best Soley imitation I could do. Uh, Gordon and I were personal friends, uh, and we were, uh, of course, professionally hooked up. As a matter of fact, if you didn't know this, it was Gordon Soley and I who did the very, very first um, hosted, co-hosted, the very first pro wrestling videotape in 1985 I believe it was called Lords of the Ring and uh, later on in this broadcast when I talked to uh, Greg Valentine I just taped that episode a few minutes ago we're going to talk about one of the classic matches that was on that VHS tape and that was Valentine's Valentine's great match violent match at the very first uh pay-per-view that Jim Crockett Promotions did, um, Starcade. Yeah, so again, we'll talk to Greg Valentine about it. And we also, I also talked to Greg Valentine about things that we don't talk to wrestlers about, about their favorite comedians. And, and Greg Valentine is going to be doing a, a 
comedy tour with the Honky Tonk Man. So he talked about that too. But let's get into um, uh, what I used to do with uh, my uh, old partner, who's a young partner. Um, we're talking about uh, Josh So Says Chernoff, who has a great show on Fight TV, So Says Chernoff. you got to check that out. But let's go to uh, Headlock on Headlines right now. So uh, the main headline, of course, and this just came out on the day that I was taping this on uh, May 1st, 2019, is the huge decline in the ratings of uh, both Raw and SmackDown. And even though they were up against um, uh, the the NBA Finals and uh, other competition, etc., it's kind of scary that they're losing ground when there are other companies, specifically uh, AEW, in the wings trying to get a foothold in this business. And I think, and I'm not one of these guys who says, "Oh, I've got it. I know exactly how they can fix this." Not that it's like my book, Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken. So uh, to fix this, it's not an easy fix. But one of the things that a lot of people keep mentioning to me is that it's the same people they're seeing on both shows each week. I think, forget this brand thing that Monday Night Raw and Tuesday Night SmackDown can't share the same guys I'd, I would and girls. I would love the unpredictability of not knowing on Monday or Tuesday night, who's going to show up? That's just me. So, I don't know. I think that would work. This past Monday night, I have to tell you that the spot that Becky Lynch did with um, Lacey Evans was incredible. It looked so furious and wild and real. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Uh, I was, uh, uh, I watched it several times afterwards. I DVR'd it, and I thought it was, uh, I thought it was absolutely just a fantastic uh, uh, piece of excitement. There, it's going to get people really interested. Let's talk now about uh, Dean Ambrose, or should I say, John Moxley. So, if you did not see the interview that he did online a few days ago, it's a must see where he escapes from prison. And uh, people are saying to me, they think that this is going to be a pre-cut spot for his entrance into AEW. Now, AEW, I know, is going to have incredible production values, but someone, some fan, sent in a, uh, a comment that these this looked like a WWE-style video so can you imagine can you imagine now that if you know Dean Ambrose is gone and John Moxley shows up in WWE maybe that's what's going to happen this time so it's exciting again it's it's something new it's unpredictable speaking about um, new and unpredictable uh, Cody Rhodes in the main event at Double or Nothing in Las Vegas and I will be part of StarCast and I'll let you know um, on our next episode exactly what I will be doing at StarCast, StarCast 2 and I can't wait. Conrad Thompson, thank you again for uh, for booking me there and uh, but the interview that Cody did about the the, the, the innate problems that he had with uh, his brother Dustin Rhodes and being the the younger brother 
It's just a fabulous interview. Again, if you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. Um, another thing of interest that uh, Shane McMahon um, seems to be taking Omer over almost as the, the second best bad guy in WWE. The first one, of course, is Lars Sullivan. Man, did he wipe out the Hardys? Um, this guy is a monster. Now, you see, this guy, uh, if, Bar if Barack Lesnar comes back, I want to see this guy against Brock Lesnar. But you got a monster guy here who really will be able to uh, draw ratings and, uh, and box office. So I'm looking forward to seeing... Uh, uh, seeing more of Lars Sullivan, the guy is what we used to call in the magazines. He's a maniac, and no one can stop him. Did you hear that for the next uh, Saudi Arabia show that uh, WWE is going to be bringing uh, Undertaker back? And then there's this one guy I didn't know was going to be uh, going there at all, and his name is Goldberg. Yes, Goldberg is going to Saudi Arabia. Obviously, the uh, uh, the prince there, or whoever makes the decisions there, wanted Goldberg. Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm I, I I don't know what they're going to have him do yet. I mean, I don't know if he's going to uh, wrestle anybody, but uh, amazing that uh, he's probably been offered uh, a small fortune to uh, to go there and. Uh, yeah, it's good to know that uh, that the fans in that part of the world will get to uh, will get to see Bill Goldberg. So, uh, who is going to be next? Uh, did you hear that uh, David Arquette is feuding in some of the indie federations with Jerry the King Lawler? Um, being the guy that was so involved in the uh, Andy Kaufman Jerry Lawler situation. Um, it, it's amazing to me that they're uh, trying to get that feel back. Well, that David Arquette's even wrestling uh, on a regular basis, but uh, good for him. Good for him, and uh, um, I hope the angle goes over in the uh, in the Indies and does well. Okay, so enough chatter for right now. What I need to do right now is get out of these headlines. And let's go to the first part of what I consider uh, um, a really interesting show. Again, 1981, the uh, Orlando Sports Arena was renamed after uh, Eddie Graham. It was named after Eddie Graham, not renamed, but it was named after Eddie Graham. And I had an opportunity to talk to uh, the great Gordon Soley about that and uh, how Gordon got started and uh, some of his favorite interviews, some of his most hated interviews. So let's go right now to my 1981 interview with, again, the Dean of Wrestling Broadcasters, Gordon Soley. Well, first of all, of course, Championship Wrestling um, had the, found an opportunity to uh, purchase the property in the, in the existing building that was known as the Orlando Sports Stadium. and. Uh, Subsequent to uh, uh, the news, the information we had received from Eddie that he was retiring, and so Championship Wrestling decided why not uh, name this building in honor of him and uh, 
the fact that he has been such an influence on sports uh, in the entire state of Florida. He is actually, in a sense, the author of uh, amateur wrestling in the high schools. And uh, we felt that this was the least that uh, championship wrestling could do for him in this respect. How has Eddie Graham influenced Gordon Soley? Well, he's had a powerful influence on my life. Uh, Eddie and I have been friends for a number of years, <clears throat> ever since Eddie first came to Florida back when Mike was just a baby. And uh, I think we have probably one of the strongest friendships uh, going, really. Uh, the man has uh, never been afraid to counsel me. Uh, I've never been afraid to counsel him. Um, he has become tremendously successful, uh, not only as an athlete, but as a businessman. And uh, I can only see more and better things uh, for the citizenry of the state of Florida uh, as a result of his retirement. You've seen Eddie Graham at his, uh, the best times of his life and the worst times of his life. Is there one incident above all that stands out in Gordon Soley's mind? Not really, I, I think, yeah, all right, I, I can say yes. Uh, there, was a, there was a time that stands out, I guess, uh, most of all, uh, and this was years ago when uh, Mike was coming along as a, as a high school athlete that he became a collegiate athlete, and uh, he got goaded into a situation through the late Bobby Shane <clears throat> Pardon me, and uh, uh, Shane made some comments, and Mike, uh, having the same kind of uh, uh, family pride that Eddie did, uh, took up the challenge as an amateur uh, to meet Bobby Shane uh, in the ring as a professional. And uh, I guess that's the most worried, most upset uh, that I've ever seen Eddie, and yet the proudest uh, after the way Mike acquitted himself uh, against uh, the late Bobby Shane. Okay, now many athletes always are, quote, threatening to retire. Uh, they retire for a few months, and six months later, it's the great comeback of. Do you think this is going to happen with Eddie Graham? I doubt that. I doubt that very seriously. Um, Eddie's had enough severe injuries over his lifetime, over his career in pro wrestling, that uh, uh, I doubt now that he could get himself back into the kind of shape that he would have to be in to try and step into that ring. Uh, Eddie doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. He's already proven it. So he, uh, uh, and he is not the kind that lusts for uh, the limelight, like uh, Ali is an example, who very frankly, I think that's his biggest problem right now, is he can't stand it, but... Uh, People are looking at somebody else. Exactly, exactly. And you know, there comes a time in everybody's life when, uh, you know, we all just took our last look at Tito. It was one of the greatest men who lived on the face of this earth, but uh, it's over now. Mm -hmm. So I, I view that situation the same way with Eddie. I think as, as a professional athlete getting back into that ring, I think it would, it would not be money. If it ever did happen, it wouldn't be money. It would have to be a very, very, very deep-seated personal thing with him, and I don't think we'll see that. All right, getting on just to another subject here, a lot of people have wanted to know, how did Gordon Soley become Gordon Soley, the wrestling commentator? How did it all start? Well, it all started... Uh, <laughs> Who were you? What were you doing when this well, happened? Well, <clears throat> I was Gordon Soley radio announcer, basically, in Tampa. It was back in 1950. Doing a music type of uh, uh, I was doing, no, I was, well, I was doing, yeah, I was uh, handling a, uh, an afternoon shift in radio. And uh, I also did a sports show. 
the station didn't have a sports program, so they allocated me uh, 15 minutes for a sports show on radio. And uh, so I started going around to the various places here in Tampa where sporting events were being held. And I noticed that the quote, quote, uh, sports announcers in town were ignoring automobile racing. They were ignoring wrestling. Uh, many of the sports that they apparently considered beneath them. You know, you talk about uh, automobile race drivers and you automatically, uh, in those days, you thought about black leather jackets and dirty fingernails. Mm -hmm. And uh, wrestling was not uh, by the elitists. Uh, it was not thought of that well. So consequently, um, I thought, well, here's a market. Here are viable people who are looking to hear information about the sport that they enjoy, and they're not getting it anywhere. So I started specializing my sports program and in interviewing uh, wrestlers, interviewing boxers, interviewing... Uh, uh, Automobile car racers. Oh, yeah, race drivers, by all means. And I finally settled down and specialized in two sports, and that was auto racing and wrestling. And thank God I did, because where we're sitting right now is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the house that, uh, that wrestling built. Mm -hmm. But that's how I basically got started, and after that, uh, uh, Cowboy Electoral, of course, was a promoter at the time. And uh, this was down here in Tampa. Yeah, in Tampa. So he asked me. He said, uh, "His ring announcer quit." And he said, "You're doing radio." He said, "Would you mind coming down and doing the ring announcing?" And I said, "No, I wouldn't mind that at all." And uh, at that time, uh, back in 1950, I got paid the grand sum of five dollars a night. Of course, I got into the matches free too. No. Forget that. It was a benefit there. Well, that was a dollar and a quarter, you know, so uh, it was six and a quarter if you want to look at it that way. Would you like to stay for the whole show? Oh, yeah. And introduce the last man. Okay. But from there, uh, Cowboy and I became uh, friendly, and he uh, recognized the fact that I was trying to help the sport. And uh, I went on the road for three years uh, with an automobile thrill show because uh, wrestling used to close down in the summer months mm -hmm. in Florida. So I'd go on the road and then come back, and I went to work in the office writing publicity and that sort of thing. And uh, Tom McEwen of the Tampa Tribune was then a the sports editor of the Tampa Times, and I'd bring in stories, and Tom would look at them, shake his head, and say, now here's the way this should be written, and he'd rewrite it for me. So I finally learned how to write news stories, or at least sports releases. And there was a graduation from there into, uh, uh, you know, staying in the office, uh, when they when television hit Florida, why uh, they first hired uh, the late guy Bagley because mm -hmm. they wanted a, no, a known television name, and he was the fourth, first sportscaster on the air in this area. So they hired Guy Bagley, and uh, that fell by the wayside. Then they tried a fellow by the name of Bob Jones, and that too fell by the wayside. Uh, they then had an idea. I was then working educational television and still doing radio. So uh, they tried uh, Saul Fleischman, who was the dean of sportscasters in this area, and I was his backup man, his color man. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just wasn't suited with Saul. I mean, he just didn't have that kind of temperament to handle. He was a tremendous character and a great personality on the air, but to do play-by-play, -play, I don't think Saul really was a good play-by-play -play man in any area. Uh, not that he wasn't a great personality on the air, it just wasn't his forte. Uh, so finally then I started doing the program on my own and have been doing it ever since. Is there uh, any particular uh, thing that you remember? I, I mean, you've seen a lot of guys hurt and uh, 
There must have been one incident where Gordon Soley has been uh, injured or hurt by a professional wrestler. Yeah. <coughs> well, I wasn't one hurt. or two. I wasn't <laughs> hurt by the wrestler per se. I was hurt trying to escape the wrestler. Uh, a year ago, April, I was uh, at the Bayfront Center in St. Petersburg, and uh, Dusty and I were in the ring giving away prizes uh, for a contest that had just been held. And uh, Morocco charged the ring uh, behind us. And of course, if I saw what was happening, I bailed out. I bailed out in a hurry. Well, I'm not as swift or agile as I was. And of course, I bailed out of the ring. And somebody had spilled a Coke outside the ring. And so it was only about a four-foot drop. But uh, it sprained the ankle, which then became involved in an osteopathic problem. And uh, uh, the leg went sour for about a year. It's about 95% recovered now, but yeah, that's, I remember that one because it was the most recent. In terms of uh, interviewing wrestlers, is there one wrestler that you've had uh, more trouble with than anyone else? Anybody you really don't care to interview because, you know, the guy just, uh, he's not cooperative with you or anything? Well, there are several that I'm not that fond of simply because they're rude uh, to me, and first of all, they have no issue with me. I'm trying to report things as they are. Not, I'm not trying to take sides or issues. But this bad, bad Leroy Brown is one that I'm just not terribly fond of uh, uh, due to the fact that he grabs the mic and, uh, you know, is, I think he's, he's a little bit too full of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Rock Hunter was here, I was never that fond of him, although I basically respect uh, uh, his intelligence, his capabilities. Is there one person you enjoy interviewing more than anyone else? Well, being basically lazy, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful thing about Dusty. All you have to do is uh, put a microphone in front of his face, say, and, and, and here he is, Dusty Rhodes, and zap. You know, if you've got ten minutes to fill, he'll fill it, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that takes care of that. Eddie Graham has is, is always been a good interview. Uh, the man has perhaps more innate intelligence than any man I've ever known in my life, and consequently, uh, he knows how to get across what he's saying. Uh, grammatically, sometimes it may not be uh, totally correct, but that's unimportant because you can understand him very clearly. He gets a message across very quickly and very clearly. Um, Jack Briscoe uh, has been uh, a very, very good interview, uh, particularly when he was World Heavyweight Champion. And speaking about that, too, uh, I think Harley Race, although I still don't particularly care for all of his tactics in the ring, I think he's a man who's matured into his position in life. Okay. Gordon, I want to thank you, and I also appreciate that you didn't freeze up on me. Gordon? Gordon? Uh. He was uh, truly an amazing man and a, uh, a dear friend, and I miss him. Very, very, very much. Gordon Soley, the and again, he was uh, known as the Dean of Wrestling Broadcasters. Right now, it is time to take a pause and let me go to this pre-recorded moment for a word from our sponsor. And as Bill Cardell, another one of my favorite broadcasters, used to say, don't you dare go away. This week's After Chat podcast is brought to you by Blue Chew. And you know, 
Blue Chew has been sponsoring not just the After Chat, but so many pro wrestling and sports related podcasts. So I'm glad they're uh, uh, they're helping keep the After Chat alive right here. So before we get into the show, um, hey guys, let's just do, you remember the days when you were always ready to go. Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Just listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color, chew, and C-H-E-W, like chewing gum. Um, BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever that opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more obvious awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So right now, we got a special deal for the AfterChat listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment absolutely free when you use the special promo code BILL. I wonder where they got that from. That's B-I-L-L, BILL. You just pay $5 for shipping. So again, that's B-L-U-E, BlueChew.com, promo code B-I-L-L, BILL, to try it. Absolutely free. You just pay for the shipping. Blue poo, blue chew, not blue poo. <laughs> blue chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we really want to thank them for sponsoring the Aptor Chat. All right. And please remember to uh, support our sponsor as uh, it helps keep this podcast uh free and it's a great product it really is so i was talking to you before about the new roku show that i've got the bill after show wrestling show on roku and uh again it's jam-packed with interviews and all video stuff and tours of after's alley and a lot of memorabilia and a lot of up-to-date news etc and a column a video column by a guy named uh, Mac Davis, uh, who is a, uh, a very dear friend. I had Mac down on uh, the After Chat line recently, so let's go right now to Mac Davis. So one of my favorite parts, of course, of the new Roku show is a an on-the-road, and I'm calling it a column, uh, even though it's a video column. You know, I still love to talk about the... Uh, the back-to-the-magazine days, so to say, and the man who's responsible for coming up with this column and doing it every time we do our show on Roku, that's the uh, Bill Apter Wrestling on Roku show, a.k.a. the Apter chart, uh, Chat, not Chart, the Apter Chat, and it's my, my, my good buddy, Mac Davis. Welcome uh, to the audio podcast, Mac Davis. Of uh, the after chat. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. Uh, I, you know, it's been a long time. I've been a big listener of the show ever since it started, as you know, and uh, so it's great to be working with you. It certainly is, and you know that the uh, this has been absolutely uh, a, a perfect situation because uh, not only 
Uh, are you a wrestler um, and a promoter? But you're also a marketing guy, and you really know how to do uh, uh, so much in terms of video technology and audio technology. But this whole Roku situation, when Jarrett Parsons TV offered me this, and I figured that, you know, I'd love to get some people involved that would be perfect fit for this, you came up with the, uh, the on-the-road idea. You know, it was funny. I was just trying to think of, a, of a, an angle to, to play off of the old magazine style uh, that you used to use. As you said, it's kind of like a column, but it's a video column. Uh, it's something that could be added to as we go. And uh, it's well, I think. Yeah, it, de- it definitely works. Now, on, uh, on Roku episode number one, uh, you covered all Russell the events. Khan. Yeah, with WrestleCon and uh, also the Ring of Honor uh, uh, New Japan show and a little bit of karaoke, too. It was a blast. That was actually, that was where we kind of fell into all this. Uh, we were, I was basically just trying to shadow you as you were doing your work uh, over the weekend and catching some film along the way. And uh, as I was doing it, it started kind of, you know, coming around that maybe this would be something we could use, you know, for the uh, video uh, portion of the show on Roku. Yeah, yeah, and it really worked out. Now, I I know I saw a sneak preview of this, uh, and next Thursday, today is the uh, April 1st. I'm sorry, um, May 1st. May 1st. Yes, I'm looking at the wrong calendar here on the, the after, on the after <laughs> alley. Up, yeah, on the after's alley uh, desk here. I got to hold on. Let me turn that. Let me turn this to. All right, now I'm in May. So, uh, so next Thursday, when uh, the next show is uploaded to Roku, you've got a uh, an exclusive special guest. I sure do. Next Thursday, blood runs cold because I've got an exclusive interview with an old friend, Ray Lloyd, better known as Glacier. Yeah, and uh, it was one-on-one, you and uh, Glacier, and uh, he revealed quite a bit to you about his career, correct? He did. We talked a little bit about Dusty uh, and some of his other mentors along the way. Uh, we actually spent the entire day together uh, for this interview, and it's the kind of style of interview that I like to do, which is very casual, uh, but just having a conversation like two friends would. Yeah. And yeah. it really turned out well. And I'll be honest with you, uh, there's another part of this that's really interesting is that he's 55 years old, my age, and he's about to go back into the ring for the first time on a major pay-per-view since his WCW days. Yeah, and that, he goes to yeah. Double or Nothing. Yeah, Double or Nothing, AEW, and he's going to be in the uh, uh, over-the-budget Battle Royal, from what I understand. Correct. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, so, you know, it's funny how he's keeping his lineage with the, uh, with you know, Dusty Rhodes was his best friend, and uh, now the company that is uh, under the banner of everybody says... Uh, it, no matter what they say, no matter what it's corporate or whatever, they all say this is Cody's baby, Cody Rhodes, and he's maintained his ties to Cody throughout these years, and Dustin as well. He does. As a matter of fact, we spoke uh, quite a bit about the Nightmare family and, and how much he loves uh, the entire situation of that family. You know, he's basically grown up with Cody as well. He's known Cody just as long as he's known Dustin. Yeah. Um, so it's been something to him that's very special. All right. Well, we want to, I want to thank you for uh, uh, doing this great video column. And again, uh, you can go to Roku and search Jarrett, as in Jerry Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett's father or, or uh, 
Um, we could just say it's the son of uh, Jerry Jarrett, correct? But go to uh, Jarrett Parsons Wrestling. Don't search pro wrestling because it's not going to come up. You'll get some other wrestling, but also on the channel, beside uh, my show featuring uh, Mac Davis, is uh, um, there's Memphis, there's the old Continental tapes, there's also the IWA with Pedro Martinez's uh, old show that used to run everywhere with uh, Mil Mascaris and Dick the Bulldog Brower and Mighty Igor. Great shows and Continental and so much more. Absolutely, and you know, uh, really, the Roku stick or how, whatever form of the Roku player you get, there's a lot of different options. You can find it just about anywhere, and once you get the Roku uh, stream, you just can't believe all the files and information you can go to, old interviews, old matches, you name it. Even you talk about what's happening in wrestling today. Yeah. So it's amazing what all you can find on that Roku. Yeah, this is no Joku. You could find wonderful Willie and Mac Davis on Roku. We'll see you on Roku, Mac. See you later, Bill. So thank you, Mac Davis, and you got to check it out. You got to check it out. So my guest this week, special guest this week, is Greg the Hammer, Greg the Hammer, not Thur. Greg the Hammer Valentine. Greg and I go way, way back. We've known each other for many, many, many years, and uh, Greg is doing a comedy tour actually with um uh with my phone is vibrating can you hear that here mm-hmm. who is it vince McMahon? no I, I don't have time to pick this up so uh he is actually doing a comedy tour with the honky tonk man called shake rattle and roll and he's going to be doing uh one of those shows uh on the night that I'm going to be inducted into the New England Championship Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, on June 7th, which is a Friday night in uh, Warwick, Rhode Island at the Crown Plaza Hotel. Thanks to uh, Scott Wilder Promotions for uh, booking me there and Joe Braun for uh, offering me this spot in the uh, Hall of Fame. I'm so flattered. So I talked with Greg. Who I, he's always serious. I pretty much, I talked to him about him being a comedian and about other stuff in his career because his dad Johnny Valentine was one of my influences uh growing up when I was a uh, wrestling fan back in the uh the days ooh, when I was 13 14 years old in New York so right now enjoy this extremely fun interview uh yeah I kind of brought him out of his shell a little bit although he may not be in a shell who knows? He's out of it right now, Greg Valentine. Welcome to the After Chat. Greg Valentine, welcome to the After Chat. Boy, we go a long way back, and we're both young guys. Absolutely. I remember first meeting you and George in Albany. Actually. Early 70s sometimes. Yeah, I met you. Uh, uh, you were wrestling for Pedro Martinez, and you were uh, Johnny Fargo. Yeah. Johnny Fargo back then. Johnny Fargo, exactly. I'm proud of Johnny Fargo. He was good. Oh, Johnny Fargo was great. And, you know, I kept saying to myself, because we had run a story about Johnny Fargo and Johnny Valentine back in the magazines, how much they looked like each other. And I remember the uh, as I was growing up watching wrestling, uh, one of my favorite top five wrestlers was Johnny Valentine. And he had this 
thing that the broadcaster, instead of an elbow smash, called the Atomic Skull Crusher. And when I yeah. saw you using that, I was like, wow, I was back in my, I was back in my childhood uh, days again. It was just so great. But I, I was so proud to meet you and know that you were trying just to make a name on your own without using that of Johnny Valentine. Yeah, I was blessed with uh, meeting John Fargo. And, you know, I absorbed a lot of stuff from him and, and tag team mainly, but, you know, they went on in my singles by myself. But he taught me a lot. And, and, and you know, just being around, you know, he was like a 30-year veteran right then, you know. Yeah. He was in his 40s. So. Yeah, we're talking about uh, Don Fargo. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, he was, a lot of people used to say to me, boy, that guy's crazy. I mean, he was one of the first guys to, even before Captain Lou Albano, to put, uh, uh, like, uh, earrings in his cheeks. Yeah, and he did the strut like Buddy Rogers. He I did. mean, nobody did a strut like Buddy Rogers except Don Fargo, and he, he really had a good strut. And ja actually, years, uh, Jackie Fargo also was famous for that strut. Yeah. God bless both of those guys. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. So that brings me to this thing. When I was a kid, I wanted I wanted to be Buddy Rogers. I even used to talk like this to my parents, and I called them Pally. But, <laughs> you talked to, talk to him about the side of your mouth, right? Yeah, actually, how did you know that? Yeah, because I, I, I saw the way he talked all the time, so, you know, that, you know, the old... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and everybody was pally to him. Yeah, pally. And some of the classic matches that I remember sitting with my dad at the top of the old, old Madison Square Garden was uh, Buddy Rogers against Johnny Valentine. Valentine was the only guy who really had Buddy Rogers' number. Yeah, and actually, uh, you know, my dad, they would cheer for my dad, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I somewhere... He could, he could jump the fence either way all oh, the yeah. time. You know? I, somewhere, I have 8mm highlights uh, from all the way up at the old garden of uh, Buddy Rogers and uh, Bob Orton uh, Sr. Uh, against yeah. uh, Johnny Valentine and Cowboy Bob Ellis. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, that was great uh, stuff. But yeah, of course, I remember meeting you and following you throughout... Uh, your career, and that this isn't the point that I asked you to come on the show, but while we're here, let's talk about it, because this is uh, great stuff. And then, of course, uh, uh, getting to be close friends with you uh, through our trips on the road, and especially uh, through the period of uh, Jim Crockett promotions. Right, exactly. That, uh, uh, that dog, I still remember to this day photographing that dog collar chain match that you did with... Uh, Roddy Piper. Tell us about that. Well, everybody wants to know about that one because that is probably the most realistic and brutal match of all time. It was hardcore before there was any kind of hardcore. And we just we went out to with no plan really at stake. We talked about 10 minutes of that and went out and pulled it off. And uh, you know, it was we bruised each other up. We hit each other. But that match, you know, we did it for ourselves because we wanted to prove a point. 
you know, wanted to make sure they never forgot this kind of match. We're going to do this. But it was for the fans, too. So the fans, you know, hey, you can believe in this wrestling. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They yes. each other for real, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, and and it, was a, it was a good feeling after it was over. And um, when I watched it, you know, I had it on a couple of weeks ago. And I, I can't believe it. It's still, it's still new to me watching it. <laughs> oh, yeah, people still talk about it. And, you know, we had it on the cover of the magazines that I worked for. And I always point to that match as that was the match that made you and uh, uh, a national star here in the United States. Because before that, you know, it was Greg Valentine. But after that, it was like Greg Valentine and Roddy Piper became two of the most dangerous and sought-after uh, persons for, like, every wrestling company. I think that's when WWF first saw you and said, we got to get this guy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's... That's... Uh, I'm, I'm sure that was, that was, like, the first case of the truth, so... But it was close-circuited. But, but then it got so much attention after the fact, like, 10 years later, when they came out with... Came out with VHS with wrestling on it. Yeah, that that was that video. There. That was that videotape that Gordon Soley and I did, uh, Lords of the Ring. Uh, right, that Lords of the Ring. On. Okay, that was the first one. People, yeah. this is ten years later, and I'm in a WWF, and I'm flying around someplace, and people are talking to me about this mask. I didn't know, and uh, so they were they were still excited about it. Go, damn, that was ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember Gordon and I talking about that. Uh, Lords uh, of the Ring. That's right. That's yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's when I had hair, and Gordon Soley was in the prime of his uh, career, and we did the uh, wraparounds on that. And the uh, the other one in uh, in the Carolinas, because again, people always ask me about my favorite territory when I was traveling around all the time, and you know, Carolinas, Florida, and Georgia were like my my homes back then, but that one time you had that T-shirt made up in your feud against Wahoo McDaniel where I broke Wahoo's leg. I don't think, when we put that on the cover, I can't believe the amount of mail we got from that cover. <laughs> and I'm standing there with a mid-Atlantic belt on. I broke Wahoo's leg, or I should, it could have been any of the belts down there, but, yeah, but that, that T-shirt... I, I had those t-shirts. I take them around to comic cons and autograph sessions. I because a lot of people and, and and I got a picture of it eight by ten. I broke Wahoo's leg. A lot of people like that. They remember that. Yeah, I think I I remember shooting that picture. I think with a red background on it. What for? The, yeah, for the cover. Exactly yeah? a red background. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I had both thumbs up, and it was a Mid Atlantic belt. I'm looking at the picture right now. Yeah, no, that was that that was absolutely classic. So uh, I've always known Greg Valentine. Uh, you know all your matches that you had in WWF with uh, Bob Backlund and Strongbow and all these guys. And anytime we interviewed each other, you know, on the road we were always having fun and all this kind of stuff. But you were, and still are, when you get in the ring, one of the more serious type of wrestlers, like a fighter in that ring, and. Uh, when Scott Wilder Promotions uh, called me and mentioned about this uh, uh, June 7th comedy show, Shake, Rattle, and Roll, with you and uh, Honky Tonk at the New England uh, Hall of Fame, and I'm, I'm being inducted uh, that night, too, and then I'm going to come out and introduce you and uh, Honky, I said, wait a minute, 
because a bunch of fans asked me this. They say, Greg Valentine does comedy. And I, I was on a podcast last night, and I got to tell you about this. I was on a podcast last night, and they said, what kind of comedy would Greg Valentine do? I said, I don't know. Maybe he sounds like this. I was walking down the street, and Abdullah the Butcher came out with a knife and cut some guy's head off. Ha, ha, ha. So yeah. heard... <laughs> feel free to use well, that. They, they would be surprised to hear. I mean, my, I'm funny. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very good at it, and, and I've had a little bit of practice. But uh, I mainly tell road stories, which is going to make them laugh. And then I, I have that dry sense of humor you that do. a lot of people don't realize, you know. Well, I've seen it. I've seen it in action, and I and I I totally get it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And people can go to the uh, New England Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, Facebook page or to Scott Wilder Promotions and find out uh, how to get tickets. So, how did this uh, how did this come about? How did this get uh, hooked up with the two with you and uh, uh, Honky Tonk doing this? Well, we did it uh, last year a trial run. We did one in El Paso at the casino, but it was last year. Then we did another one, uh, I believe, uh, I can't remember the name of the town. Um, it was north of El Paso. It was in Arizona. Anyway, uh, we had a lot of fun, and the rest of the tour got kind of messed up because I had, I went overseas, so I couldn't do it, so long as did a few days by himself, but now it's back together again. It's the uh, Rock and Roll Reunion. It's uh, it's called the Shake, Rattle, and Roll Tour. Yeah. And it's me and Honky with Rhythm and Blues. Yeah, no, I know that. What I was asking, though, is how did it come together? Did the two of you talk about this, or did Scott approach you with it? How did it happen? Uh, actually, uh, there was a... We had talked about it over the phone, just talking back and forth. And so we, I, I basically went out and, and did my, a 30, 35 minute talk, or maybe 45 minutes. And had the people, it was actually the first time I ever did it. And I had a good pop for the people. And Honky's done this before, but he wanted to include me. And, um, you know, it's, it's better to have you know, both of us together. Oh, yeah, you work off each other, of course. Right, and, of course. and uh, believe it or not, I can be funny. He's definitely, I mean, he's a great <laughs> talker. He can be funny. I, but I talked to people. I told them the Stu Hart stories. I told them Johnny Valentine's stories. Do you <laughs> do a, do you, do you do a uh, Stu Hart imitation? That's perfect. Oh, you got some big arms there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember when Stu used to call uh, the magazine office to tell us what happened on TV for a one-hour TV show, and it would take him three days to get through. I uh, last week, uh, um, I uh, 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 oh my goodness, it was uh, no, that was yeah. I mean, he had his cat. He had his cat right next to his phone. And he'd be going back and forth, and he's playing with a cat with his pencil. And this goes on for three hours. Every time the phone would ring, the cat would run for the phone and be there before Stu. 
<laughs> I remember that. So who I'm not are... going to tell you what he was rubbing all over the air. No, I'm not. We're not going to say that. This is a PG yeah. show here. PG show. Yeah, just figure it out. What? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't edit anything out. This is all. I don't even have anything written down. I do all this off the top of my head because you know we're, we're friends. That's where you do it. That's where my yeah. match is. Yeah. Well, I and that's. Yeah, but that's, that's the way to do it because it's two friends talking here. So who was in terms of comedy? Who do you like? Who's who's uh, who would even in the past? Who are who are the comedians that you uh, that you enjoy, you've enjoyed through the years? Comedy people, yeah. Oh, Don Rickles for one. Oh, he was the best. Don Rickles was my favorite. Um, then there was uh, you know Rodney Dangerfield, and then there was uh, George Carlin. Did I you... love George Carlin and Wonderful Wino. I mean, way back then, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, and the seven, uh, seven Wonderful Wino. Yeah, I remember that. I saw Rickles in person like a hundred times. Um... Well, God, I was going to see him when I moved out here to Vegas, and uh, he passed away about six months before I got out here. I was oh. so sick because he was right down there at the Orleans. The Orleans, like twenty minutes, from me. and he was there for quite a while. I saw him. I saw right him in, up to the end, he could be funny. Oh, yeah, because he, he was on all the uh, TV shows, and HBO did a great documentary. I saw him one time in New York, and uh, for the people listening to this who don't know who Don Rickles is, Google, was, Google him. He was the first insult comedian. He was the only guy that could insult Frank Sinatra and not get hit by a car the next day, right? Yeah, and... He was on to Johnny Carson. He was on Johnny Carson a lot. He just had this drive. I mean, he just went off the cuff, right? He yeah. was just funny. He just Gosh. insulted people where you couldn't get away with that today. But I saw him one time in New York, and in the audience was the original host of Jeopardy, Art Fleming. And he brought Art Fleming up, and he tore him to pieces verbally. And it could have been the funniest thing I had ever seen in my life. Yeah, and all these roasts. The roast he did, they were great. Oh yeah, that was the Dean Martin roasts, and uh, Don Rickles was was on that uh, almost every week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you get to meet uh, um, uh, any of your comedy heroes? Did you get to meet Dangerfield or uh, Rickles? I know you didn't, or George Carlin. Uh, I got to meet Rodney Dangerfield. Um, backstage in Vegas and me and Rick Flair went out there together at the Crockett's and uh, and the, the two guys with the Tigers he opened for I can't remember who are the guys with the Tigers oh uh, Siegfried and Roy yeah, they, yeah we saw that show that was a fantastic show yeah, yeah. makes elephants disappear and everything so I'm going way back but that's when we got to no that was amazing when they went through. puff and the elephants disappeared I know yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, but Rodney Dangerfield, I remember introducing uh, Jerry Lawler uh, to him after that whole thing with Andy Kaufman. We went to see uh, Dangerfield, and he was standing there at the uh, at the bar, and he looked at Jerry Lawler, and he said, "Hey, you and that Kaufman guy were great yesterday on the Letterman show." You know. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. That was. Well, I, I I I met Andy Kaufman. I was just coming back from Japan. I wrestled at the Olympics. Uh, on my way back to Charlotte and wrestled in LA and I'm out in the parking lot and here comes Andy Kaufman 
And he says, please come down to the pantry's uh, famous restaurant right next downtown here. And so I went there and had, had some uh, dinner with Andy Kaufman. What an experience that was. Oh, I, I know. I knew him And as I loved know. his Elvis impression. But I, so other than Don Ruckles, there's another favorite. Oh yeah, and Andy hated he did, he didn't want to be called a comedian. He he wanted Andy wanted to be a uh, an entertainment bad guy, an entertainment heel. He wanted. To get... I saw I saw and I'm trying to think it was it was David Letterman or who what did Johnny call? But anyway, one, I think it was Letterman. He went out and started doing his Elvis uh, impersonation. Andy Kaufman did. Yeah, this could have been a work. I don't know, but it, David Letterman act like he got mad and he kicked him off the stage. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes, was I that did. for real? Or was I don't know. I don't know. But I'll tell you something that uh, when I first got Lawler and uh, Andy hooked up together, I I remember in my apartment that night saying to Andy Kaufman that. You know, Memphis is a definite place you have to go because you do that Elvis thing, which is like incredible. It was like the best Elvis imitator I ever saw with that Andy Kaufman edge on it. And I said, they'll <laughs> hate you down there. It was wonderful. He was absolutely great. It was, it was the funniest thing ever. Yeah, it really, really, really was. Um, before I let you go, and again, uh, this will be uh, June 7th. Scott Wilder is promoting the uh, Shake, Rattle, and uh, Roll uh, comedy show um, with uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine and the uh, following week we're going to be going all over upstate New York. Yeah, so I was go, going to mention go, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, and but it's we're it's, going to go up to Buffalo and Albany and uh, what's the other place? So Syracuse. Oh, all the old Pedro Martinez towns where you wrestled. <laughs> yeah, for so, Gypsy, I think. Yeah, Gypsy. so you're going to have to become. Yeah. You're going to have to become. It'll have to be Honky Tonk Man and uh, uh, Johnny Fargo. Yeah, I, <laughs> hey, I, I can say this is John Defargo's old stopping ground. That's right. That's right. Before I let you go, and that will be, by the way, the uh, uh, the same night as uh, me and a whole bunch of people getting inducted into the Hall of Fame there. And again, go to Scott Wilder Promotions on uh, Facebook or the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame to find out uh, how you can uh, get there. And I will be uh, doing part of my one-man show opening up for... Uh, uh, for this tour at that uh, at the Crown Plaza Hotel there in Warwick, Rhode Island, where this is going to take place. So before I let you go, uh, again, as I mentioned, you know, I, I, when you traveled on the road uh, all the time, you and Ric Flair were like best buddies the whole time. Do you and Rick still uh, talk at times? Uh, we, we see each other a lot. I was invited to his uh, birthday party. I just couldn't make it, but... Uh... Yeah, we just look at each other and laugh, you know. I mean, there was five, six years together where we were partners, and you just got to laugh about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he'll bring up old stories like the time I got thrown in jail for not for driving on a suspended license, and he took off to Raleigh TV to make the TV and left me in the jail. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, but I got out... Uh, <laughs> Uh, someone came and got me. Or oh, something. I, I thought you were going to hammer your way out. I couldn't resist that. Or he I'm came sorry. back and got me. It was a total. They let me go. You know, it was just a, just a suspended license thing. But, uh, By the way, I when, didn't even know they were suspended. So when you talk about story. 
When you talk about people that ribbed people in the Carolinas, and this just came up, Wahoo McDaniel used to get me week after week. What he would do is I would always leave. I had three cameras with me at all times, and I took two out to the ring. And sometimes I'd get back to the dressing room, and my camera bag is gone. And I'm panicking to Jimmy Crockett. Oh, my God, I'm going to have to pay for the cameras. And the next night, it would be in Wahoo's, uh, right next to Wahoo's thing, that he found it somewhere on the road. And this had happened <laughs> 10 different times. He was a great joker. Yeah, he sounds like a Johnny Valentine joke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, definitely. Well, listen, uh, uh, I am looking forward to seeing you at uh, uh, the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame and opening for you guys at the... Uh, uh, at the Crown Plaza in uh, Warwick, Rhode Island, uh, and I can't wait to see uh, to see the show. Oh, great! All right, buddy. Thanks for having me on, and I'll see you June. Oh, we've been buddies forever. Seventh and eighth, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And before I let you go, you know, we always end our conversations doing our. You know, we lost Pedro Morales recently. Uh, just quick memory of Pedro. Oh my God, that was a real sad day when I heard that he passed away, and uh, I always wanted to see him, and he didn't come out on the autograph circuit or to any of the places like Chiller Theater or any of those places, and I heard he was on Woodbridge, and I always had great thoughts, and I had great great, great memories, so and you know, I've, watched, I've watched a lot of the matches recently that have been played on WWE Network, and Google, and, and i you know, just great memories. He was a great guy, yeah, a real sure man's was. man and a ladies' man. He was he was a, a fantastic athlete, strong guy, and, and I and me and you always had a standing joke, sort of about That's I <laughs> I kick your ass, Valentine, or any kind of action, Valentine. That's but where not I was Valentine. going. It was Valentine, and I. Before I go back to my island, baby. So, you know, it's nothing. Uh, we always had, me and you, had fond memories about him, and God bless him, you know. Yeah. So I'm, the reason I brought that up was leading to that. So I'm going to say to you, I am ready for any kind of action, Valentine. All right. You're um, ready. I'm ready to send you back to that little island of yours. Well, if it's for me, it would be Long Island. So, Greg Valentine, yeah, thank you very much. Love you, my friend, and we'll see you. Okay, uh, love you we'll, too. We'll see love you, you too, at. Uh, we'll see you in Rhode Island. Bye bye. Bye bye. What a uh, what a wonderful person, Greg Valentine, and don't forget, you got to come see him on uh, June 7th on induction night at the New England uh, Championship Wrestling Hall of Fame. You can go to Scott Wilder Promotions on, uh, on Facebook or to the New England uh, Wrestling Hall of Fame, and you can find out where to get tickets for that. And uh, I will also have copies of my book, Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken there, and I'll, I will be signing them. Uh, there'll also be uh, photos available uh, of me. Scott Wilder's going to have a whole package where you can be interviewed by me on your own device. Yes, that, that'll be a lot of fun. I did some of that at WrestleCon, and uh, it was terrific. So we are just about um, 
as they used to say in the radio days, the clock on the wall is saying we're just about out of time because I don't like to do any more uh, than an hour. I want you to uh, say, uh, you know, I listened to it. It was great. You got all my points and it was terrific. So for me and for uh, everyone who appeared on the show, uh, Gordon Soley, Mac Davis, Greg Valentine, we'll see you at the matches. That's a wrap.